birthday celebration of 60 years with a rebirth celebration of a precious little one uh, on that day. Wouldn't that be nice? And so to that end, I would also suggest if anybody here knows somebody that isn't baptized but would like for them to be baptized, uh, what better day to celebrate this than on that? You know somebody. Really? Is that youngest grassy baptized? Okay. All right. Well, I mean, yay, I'm glad, but uh, <laughs> that's on camera, isn't it? Great. Well, anyway, we would love to celebrate uh, the sacrament of baptism in fulfillment of our Great Commission, and that is to go and baptize all nations in the name of of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's a lot of pressure I just put on you, Jan, but uh, you know, I'll write you a note. So we, we'll get him in here and anybody else, the more the merrier. Also, our missions this month are going to Operation Christmas Child, and it's a Samaritan Purse ministry, and that, of course, is uh, Franklin Graham, uh, who started that many, many years ago. So uh, rather than taking up and making boxes, we're going to take up funds and get it to them. They do a wonderful job, and there's a lot of great feedback that they provide for donors in the form of newsletters and pictures and seeing how tangibly um, our resources go to somebody else to be the hands and feet of Jesus to show light in a very, very dark world. And I think that is it, except for this last part, is that we are going to be painting. Yay. And that building is going to be painted, and, and it looks like that we've secured a really uh, excellent painting contractor, and uh, the, the work will get started sometime this next week, I believe, So if all things align perfectly. So uh, Randy is... Uh, been taking the bull by the horns on that and, and, and processing it and getting everything aligned. And so I thank you for uh, donations that you have given. We still can always use a little bit more. Uh, the project's going to be around $17,000 to paint that. And, uh, but it's going to look really nice and we'll be ready to go for our 60th because it'll get done before then. So that's all the news that's fit to tell. Will you get us started, Tim? In humble adoration, in 
stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. For thee is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. 
This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, whose grace always precedes and follows us, help us to forsake all trust in earthly gain and to find in you our heavenly treasure. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Okay. The lessons this week, all of them, are particularly relevant to the situation in the United States today, and we should heed the lessons of recorded history. Those who feel elite and complacent and not subject to the laws of God will feel his displeasure. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Amos, <clears throat> chapter, I tore this off, uh, verses of chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, and then 10 through 15. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1425. Amos was one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. He was a, um, a shepherd in Judah, the southern kingdom of the Jews around 800 BC, and God sent him to the northern kingdom, which had retained the name Israel. Both kingdoms, but especially the northern kingdom, had seen great prosperity. They had been surrounded by enemies, and God vanquished those enemies and brought, brought great prosperity to Israel, the northern kingdom. And the people got complacent, and they became elitist and they look down on everybody else, and they send without any regret. And Amos was sent up there to warn them that God was not happy with what they were doing, and he would soon visit calamity upon them. Amos chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, and then 10 through 15. Seek the Lord and live for he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, Though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in court. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Our second reading is taken from Psalm 90, verses 12 through 17, which we will read responsibly, and it's printed in your bulletin. This is a prayer that's attributed to Moses, and more or less it follows the same theme. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. 
Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The epistle this morning, or letter, was written to the Hebrews. Now the, uh, the author is unknown. It sounds like Paul, but it is not. It's likely to be Barnabas or Apollos, and they were followers of Paul. So the theme, again, is similar. This is a letter to the Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 12 through 19, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1865. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As it has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark from the 10th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning does come from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, and can be found on page 1570 in your pew Bible. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. The gospel that we just heard begins with, as a man ran up and knelt before Jesus, and he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, the, inherit eternal life? And that's in Mark ten seventeen. And this is a question that is not foreign to any of us. It is a question that every human being asks. Now, what this man is really asking is a thinly veiled, or in his thinly veiled manner, it was this. What must I do to get ahead? And of course, Jesus, who is God, knows what is in this man's heart. Now, every baby, every child, enters this world with the belief that he or she is the center of the universe. And, for a short time, the world does seem to revolve and cater to every little whim that this baby has. For example, the slightest squawk from the baby, and then comes running someone, oftentimes a mom, and they scramble to care for that baby's every need, its every desire. And for a brief moment in time as infants, we all believed that we were the most important person in this universe. We thought that we were the sum total of why the universe was here. But then we grow up. Well, some of us do. And then we learn that other people have rights. Well, at least some of us realize it. And we learn that some of us do share. And we learn, well, at least some of us do, to take our turn. And we learn to stand in line. And we learn that not only are we not the most important person in the universe, but we are not even the most important person in our own home. We begin to learn that there are rules that govern the way that we should live. And it doesn't take long to figure out that some rules will help us get ahead. For example, the right education will help you get a better job. The right investments will produce a better portfolio. The right friends will open up new opportunities, and so on and so on. And at some point in time, we begin to wonder if there isn't some sort of rule that will get us ahead indefinitely. Some technique that will ensure that we always win, that we always come out on top. And we begin to search for the key to happiness, to health, to wealth, for wisdom, and so forth. And naturally, there are thousands of authors in the self-help section of Amazon.com who would be more than happy to share the key to success with you for only $18.95, plus shipping and tax, except if you're a Prime member, 
Shipping's free. The fact that there are so many books in the self-help section indicates that no one really has the secret to success. And even if there was help for you in a book or a seminar or some other program, it would not be enough. Now, it was on the internet, so it must be true, right? Okay. Well, someone supposedly asked John D. Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he replied, just a little bit more. Now, again, whether he said it or not, it really does reflect the desires of our inborn sinful nature. We are always on the lookout for the magic formula that will give us an advantage, a magic formula that will give us just a little bit more. The man who came to Jesus seemed to want a little bit more. He wanted a little bit more assurance of his salvation. He had done everything that he could do and to think of to guarantee his salvation. But he wasn't really sure. He, he wasn't sure if he had all the bases covered. Was there one more technique that would give him confidence? Would one more bit of self-help Give him that confidence that he needed to live in victory? Perhaps, maybe, Jesus had that one gimmick that would ensure his salvation forever. So he asked. He asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Tracy and I, and some of you, have been heirs of a will. And I can guarantee you that it was nothing that we did that made us heirs of those wills. We were heirs of the wills because someone else wrote us into the wills. We had nothing to do with it. And so when the man came to Jesus and talked about doing something to inherit something, he showed a basic lack of understanding about his salvation. And Jesus showed love for this man by showing him the reality of his situation. And the reality is that there is nothing the man could do to earn salvation. And Jesus began by reminding the man that only God is good enough to provide salvation. And Jesus said to the man, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone, Mark 10, 18. And at this point, the man should have stopped. He should have stopped to think, if only God is good, and I am not God, then I cannot be good. And then Jesus reviewed the commandments that deal with loving the neighbor. And he said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. And at this point, the man should have realized that he did not love his neighbor as he loved himself. He should have come to understand that he could not possibly do anything to earn salvation. But he didn't get it. Instead, he said to Jesus, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. That's Pinocchio. That's you, that's me. When we say that we are without sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he demonstrated his basic lack of understanding about his salvation. He deluded himself into thinking that he had kept these commandments perfectly. And it is at this point that the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to remind us this, that Jesus loved this man. Did you catch that? Well, the Greek in the New Testament to describe love, there's four Greek words that are used to describe different types of love in the New Testament. In, in all of Greek, I think there's something like nine, and no, I cannot recount them. But in the New Testament, we hear uh, love words like storge, which is a familial love. Then we hear uh, uh, philia, or philia, like Philadelphia, okay? Brotherly love, that's why it's called that, a brotherly love. Eros, that's a romantic love between a spouse, spouses. And then there's agape. And agape love is selfless love, all-encompassing love. Love that seeks the best for all people. And so, when we read our translation that Jesus loved him, Jesus agape him. Jesus looked at him wanting the best for him. The way in which we are to love, but the way and only which God can love. And Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth about his condition. Jesus, looking at him, it's recorded, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And Jesus set up a condition that forced this man to realize that he loved his wealth more than he loved God. And so how did the man respond? Well, you heard it. He was disheartened by the saying. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the man's possessions were literally more important to him than his own salvation. This man's possessions were his little G God. Is there anything that Jesus, Jesus would ask you that would cause you to be disheartened and walk away sorrowful? Is there a little G God in your life that are important to you? Are there, is it financial security? Is it family? Friends? Happiness? <laughs> getting my, I mean, getting your own way? Your reputation among your peers, is that a little G God? You know, Reformation Sunday is coming up. It's uh, actually the 31st is on a Sunday. And we will be singing a mighty fortress. And in that hymn, we say, And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won. Could you really surrender your life, your goods, your fame, your child, or your spouse? Our gospel tells us that Jesus loved this man. He agape this man. And agape love gives people what they need. And often, that means that it does not give people what they want. Jesus told this man that 
Well, he told him exactly what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear. And this man needed to learn the hopelessness of his situation. He needed to learn that he could not save himself. He needed to understand that he needed a Savior outside of himself. That is how Jesus showed his love to this man. And even so, it meant that the man would walk away sorrowful. Jesus loves us the same way. He sends the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. And the Holy Spirit comes to us through the proclamation of the Word of God in order to shine that searing light of law into our hearts. He shows our true nature to us. He takes us to the depths of pure terror as he shows us the future that we have earned for ourselves. He shows us the true hopelessness of our good works. And it is only after we begin to understand that our hopelessness of our own works, that our Holy Spirit points to the one who actually did surrender everything. And that's Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. You remember that he surrendered, surrendered his throne at God the Father's right hand. And that he took up our human flesh. And as a human being, he lived in poverty. Even though he is the author of the law, he lived under that law. You see, Jesus surrendered everything. He surrendered his life. And when he died, he did not even have the clothes on his back. He was pinned to a cross, naked. And we know that because it says in Scripture, they crucified him and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Mark 15, 24. Jesus surrendered himself so that you and I would inherit eternal life. And it is not what I do that inherits eternal life. It is what Jesus has already done. And we inherit eternal life because Jesus made us heirs in his will, his last will and testament. By the promise of his word and the seal of his blood on the cross, we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And Jesus Christ himself demonstrated the inheritance that he offers to all people by rising from the dead. In his resurrection, we have the promise that he will raise all the dead and give eternal life to all who believe in him. And Jesus has named an executor to his estate. And that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through the gospel to deliver the inheritance of eternal life. The Holy Spirit also works through the gospel to establish the faith that receives the inheritance of eternal life. And that through faith, we constantly receive forgiveness of our sins. And God the Father declares us holy in his eyes. And we stop asking the question, what must I do to, et to inherit eternal life? We don't ask that question. Instead, the question that the Holy Spirit uses to point us to Jesus and declare, look, at what God has done to give me eternal life. We who believe 
already have an, an inheritance unto eternal life. But when the time comes for us to leave this life, we will experience our inheritance more fully as members of the church triumphant in heaven. And there in heaven we shall leave our sins behind and live under Jesus in his kingdom. And there we shall wait with Jesus for the last day when Jesus will raise our bodies to immortality. And we shall once again be complete in body and spirit and serve him in everlasting righteousness in innocence and blessedness just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. In the name of Jesus, amen. See 
stand. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, God of hosts, reveal our sin to us through your word. Do not let us dare to approach you in our own righteousness, but rather to come before you humbly in repentance that we may inherit eternal life by your grace in Christ alone. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, God of hosts, keep us from hating those whom you send to reprove us with your law and from abhorring those who speak your truth to us, that we might repent and live. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord God of hosts, sanctify us with your Holy Spirit, that we may hate evil and never pursue it, but instead love good and seek it always. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord God of hosts, let your favor be upon all who govern us in your stead. Establish the good works of their hands upon us that we may live in peace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, God of hosts, have pity on Mike and Randy and Carol and Randy W., all your servants afflicted in body and soul. Satisfy them with your steadfast love in Christ and grant health and healing in accord with your perfect will. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, God of hosts, satisfy our longing hearts with your steadfast love here in the feast of Christ's body and blood that we may rejoice and be glad in you all of our days and into eternity. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, God of hosts, we give you thanks for all your saints whose confidence in Christ you kept firm unto the end. Graciously keep us firm in the same faith that in the end we may enter with them into your rest. Lord, in your mercy, it is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. 
for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven. We praise your name and join their unending In the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. In the sermon today and in other sermons you've heard before, the word agape. And I've been thinking about that word and how impossible it is for me and for you to love in agape. It just can't happen. That's the God kind of love. But, but he holds us to that standard. His standard is such that and he would have us think about this. That is that we ought to love as if we've never been hurt. We hurt him. We hurt him as last week we talked about uh, asking God for a divorce. We hurt him by following other gods, little g gods. Now I don't say this to make you feel guilty, but I say this that in hope that the Holy Spirit might say to you, who can I love that I'm not loving right now as if I'd never been hurt? Because this meal that's been prepared, this meal that was earned by one surrendering, surrendering all on that cross for you and me that we would inherit eternal life was done for us out of love as if he had never been hurt at all. 
come and taste true agape in his body and his blood. The table is prepared. You may come forward. The ushers will bring you up.
It's a good thing it doesn't depend on our works to inherit the kingdom. It's a good thing that we were adopted and as beloved children adopted into his family, we are given by his grace all things of the kingdom through what his son did for us on the cross. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.